0: A.K. the Unicorn Lord, and welcome to Episode 2 of the Prologue. This is a show dedicated to the guys who have been making it big and to hope to be the next dirt or fill ivy of the world. I hope that I can, of course, through this podcast, enlighten you people as to just how difficult it is to be the next hot thing in poker, and to show that hard work does in fact pay off, mainly by being the focus. So, we're going to get into this week's results. Uni ain't doing too well. I'll tell you that right now. We are down to 1429 from last week, which was uh, 32, I believe. Actually, no, 36. 32 was actually after that one session I had, right after I made the podcast. (laughs) So it's just been like a pocket pair type of deal this week. You know, run pocket pair into overcards. run pocket pair into better pocket pair, run pocket pair into uh, reverse flush, that type of deal. <sighs> Best session I had was really the laggiest session I had, and that was just to shake off all the tilt and just focus on having fun. So this week I've really just been playing video games and trying to shake my head off of all the bad beats I've been taking. Yeah. Anyways, we have a bit of a change in plans for this week's show as well that I have to get into. Escalante, who was going to be on the show, had my hand histories in preparation for the show. And he put them in a poker tracker, which probably turned out to be a bad idea he lost them. In other words, they got processed and he couldn't find them anymore and he couldn't pick out the ones he wanted. Although, either that or they got deleted. We're not quite sure what happened. Uh, Escalante can't find the information on me, of course, is what I'm trying to say. And now, and for the people who are actually saying, well, he processed the hand information, you know, why doesn't he just go to his sessions? and find the ones with me because Escalante and me played several times in the No Limit Stakes and if you know anything about Poker Tracker, it's that one of the main issues that it has is it doesn't quite separate Limit from No Limit from PLO everything just kinda gets bunched together so we don't know which hands we, we were going to point out and all that other stuff. So, Escalante is going to be on another week's show. This week, however, we have a very special guest. guest. He's the owner of three World Series poker bracelets. And he is amazing, to say the least. I handed him three hand histories. And I had to come with a disclaimer on the seg- on the segment coming up. And it's going to be after the break, but I'm going to put the disclaimer on right now. I was leveled by the information I got in the segment, and he was nice enough to come on the show, mainly because I had just bugged him with the BM. I had been bugging everyone around for guests, and... I think it's a, a bit of a a brag to his ego to say that he was one of the guys who responded fairly quickly. Other uh, people who responded, of course, being Court Harrington and uh, Ryan Golfo D'Angelo, who uh, I'm trying to get on the show as well. sick like brag for me is that I know Ryan. <laughs> And you can kind of hear it in the interview that I was just leveled by the sheer amount of information I was gaining. And, in fact, at one point during the interview, I was asked a question. I had no idea how to respond, so I just said, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, so after the break, which we'll get to right now, we will have our one-hour interview with a World Series of Poker champion, not a main event champion, but a three time bracelet winner with over 6.9 million in tournament earnings. If you haven't guessed it by now, well, you'll hear him after the break. This is the prologue, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. My guest tonight has three World Series of Poker bracelets and $6.9 million in tournament career earnings. He has been featured on Poker Superstars Invitational and has appeared in all six seasons of GSN's acclaimed series, High Stakes Poker. He's also appeared on Poker After Dark on NBC, holds two World Poker Tour titles, And was second in the 2008 WSOP Player of the Year race, just behind Eric Lindgren. My guest, of course, if you haven't guessed now, is the one, the only, Barry Greenstein. Welcome, Barry.
1: Hey, uh, do I call you Unicorn Lord, or Uni, or Raleigh?
0: Most people can call me uh, Raleigh.
1: I already already decided I'm going to call you Raleigh. Yeah. So... That's fine. I can let you choose. Yeah. To.
0: That's fine. All okay. right, so I sent you the hands earlier, Bear.
1: So, yeah.
0: And let's just get down to it. The first hand is uh, a 5-no-limit five, five game, 8-handed, with me under the gun with 9-9. Uh, mm-hmm. I raise to 15. It folds around to the button. The button raises for 45, and I call the extra 30, and the flop comes... 10,
1: well, 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 you stop there like there's no decision, <laughs> <laughs>
0: you
1: know, and, and there is a decision that uh, you effectively. Uh. These hands, the way I think about it is, you know, the money's immaterial. It's, you know, how many big blinds do you have?
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, you know, so I can I look at you at four dollars and eighty one cents. The other guy had four dollars and fifty five cents. So I guess effectively we're playing for his money yeah about 450 and so it uh with a five cent big blind uh we're playing for 90 big blinds they right? uh-huh. nine size 45 yeah so 90 big blinds it gives me a feel for about how deep we are uh-huh.
2: um
1: and uh you know the question is do i you know 90 big blinds that's kind of a lot to play two nines all in you but it's certainly a thought and you know there, but there'd be some people where you know I don't get away from two nines even for for ninety big blinds. But I did open under the gun that shows some strength, right? Yeah. And he raised on the button, uh, so uh, you know calling there is reasonable to see what's ha- what happens. Um, uh, go ahead, you were running the show now, so All right. give us the action. So
0: the flop is uh, ninety-seven cents. The flop comes 10-3-3, two spades. Uh, I check. He bets out for 60, and the, I call for 60, I don't put him on a 10, obviously, and I don't put him on a 3, because
1: Well, well, well okay. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't think he has a 3, right? You don't put him on a 10, because he'd probably have two 10s, right, if, if he had one 10, is, is what you're saying, if he's reasonably solid.
0: Yeah. Plus, he'd been C-betting me a lot beforehand. so Well,
1: the, uh, well, okay. Well, well, the continuation betting doesn't Tell you very much. Uh, the you know the question is what what's he been raising with in the open and early position? Is the guy like a knucklehead, or Is he you know pretty pretty uh, you know pretty solid? You know how often does he three bet?
0: Um, let me look that up. He had been raising thirty five percent of all the hands he was in. Oh so no, he had like a raise ratio of thirty five percent. So like he's
1: Wait,
0: his call ratio was sixty percent. So I, I'm always using... I, I don't
1: understand. Are you saying a re-raising, like a three-betting ratio, a third of the time, if you play three-bet or what? Oh,
0: shoot. Where is that? Um... No, it's... I don't... I
1: actually... Well, forget it. I'm, but I'm saying in general, you get what I'm saying. If yeah. the guy's... Oh, you mean... Like, or, or is he like... Much, he... I may be, uh, you know you know, four-betting him even with this hand, right? If he's, if he's rarely, you know, if he three-bets an amount that makes you think he three-bets just with big pairs and ace-king, uh, uh, you know, obviously then, you know, I'm yeah, not no, negative.
0: When he, when he raised it, I automatically put him on, like, an ace-king or something because I thinking, I was thinking that this this was such a, a standard raise from him that it couldn't have been uh, over pair because the, with him generally it would have been – you know, a little bit larger than just three times what I was betting out.
1: Well, you've got that good a feel for his game. I mean, because, you know, frankly, typically it's just the opposite. With most people, with uh, ace-king, they tend to raise for a little more than three times. And with uh, big pairs, then you know, especially aces and kings, they don't want to scare you out too much. They raise for very close to three times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, without knowing anything more about this particular individual... Uh, I would have thought just the opposite. I'd, I'd definitely be afraid that the guy has a bigger pair.
0: No, it was uh, one more of those uh, body types, like where if he had a hand, he was automatically raising with it. So that's why I elected to call rather than to... Uh, wait, wait,
1: wait what, I didn't understand. What 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 do you mean about body types? Uh,
0: but like he's a bot. Like, you know, if he has a hand, he raises it. If he folds, then he didn't have anything there. Or if he checks, he doesn't have anything there. So that's automatically... And then, like, if you give him options, he generally takes... He's a bot? Takes, yeah. It, he, he's, he's, he's obviously playing more than one table. Like, you can just look him up, and he's on,
1: like, 24 tables. Well, this is poker size. I thought they don't let bots play on their side. No, no, no. It's
0: it's, it's, not, a, it's not a literal term. It's just the way he plays.
1: The way he plays. Is, oh, because he plays a lot of... I not, you know. yeah. He plays so many tables that it's hard for him to do a lot of varying. He plays kind of automatic. Is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. So he was a
0: a very laggy bot. so it, okay. basically all of his options were either raise or fold. So that's why I I elected to call here just to actually see the flop cuz Okay. If I But right. I'm
1: still I'm still confused. One thing he said to me I don't understand. Why you know, I I agree that I often put people on ace king when they raise me but with the right frequency compared to, you know, them having, you know, big pairs also. I I don't see how we would know, you know, we would be able to lean more, you know, there are more ace kings in the deck if you figure out mathematically than pair of aces, but when you add up all the big pairs, obviously that's what I'm afraid of is that he has a bigger pair, and I, I don't see any way you can know that he doesn't have a higher pair than nines.
0: It was just a guess on my part,
1: really. Well, right, so, but... It, it, know, it,
0: I didn't say it was smart, I just said it, it, that's what I was...
1: Well, we're hoping, was... you know, normally when we call <laughs> with a pair, obviously, that isn't aces or kings, we're hoping the guy has, uh, you know, is, is either ace screwing around, which we're, we're, we're basically saying isn't happening, or he has ace, king, in the flock comes low. Obviously, whenever you call with a pair of nines, you say, put up small cards, and uh-huh. I hope nines are still good, and then I'll, uh, you know, I'll proceed from there. Uh-huh. And... And so here, you know, I get what you're saying. 10-3-3 looked like you know, were uh, in pretty good shape. You yeah, know, it, it looked like Jim's not Basically, right? either he had us beat the whole way uh, or he didn't draw it on it. You know, we had the best hand, he didn't draw it. So anyway, so go on. So it came 10-3-3, and he bet 60, which is a normal amount, right?
0: Yeah, it was pretty much a two-thirds of the pot. And, uh, right
1: but, but you know there are two numbers to, that we still have to look at there's it's two-thirds the pot but it's also a significant amount of how much we have left right you know at this point again we're playing for his money he had slightly less than, than we did but he it had a little over four dollars and he just bet 60 out of that four dollars and so you know one of the questions you start asking yourself can I play this hand as a check caller and not get all in you know' is the first question I would ask can you just be check calling? And have you uh, have the money not not go in on three streets, and uh, you know the answer I think is no. You know the money's going to get in by the river, if he bets the turn and the river. Yeah. That's... Whenever you're in that situation, now you have to start also saying is it work is it better for me to just raise here to stop him from drawing out of me? Uh
0: uh-huh.
1: You know because if you call here, uh you know if he's you know it's it's two questions if he, someone's going to just three barrel bluff you. Then there's reason for calling and just let him fire, you know, and just say, okay, I'll try to get his money that way. Uh-huh. If he's someone who's only going to bet when he thinks he has the best hand on the turn, uh, now maybe we should deprive him of having a turn card. Does that makes sense because you know if he has ace king, ace queen suited, those type of hands, do I want to call here and then have him check behind me on uh, on the turn? I, I probably don't, right? Uh-huh. And it's a high enough proportion that I may have to go broke here and say, well, if he's got it, beat. I got, I got a decent flop. He's got it, beat. He's got it, beat. But you know, whatever. You know, your call is reasonable. But you're, you're kind of calling there to hope if it's this bot type guy you're talking about, this automated guy you're talking about, that he's now going to check the turn if you know if, it, if a if a small card comes, and probably if an ace or a king comes, uh, and he bets the turn, we're going to end up folding. Is that right? Uh, yeah,
0: that's basically what was going through my head at that point. You know, just hope to God there's no overcards on the board because I can barely deal with the 10.
1: <laughs> yeah, but then you get really sick that, you know, because now you put yourself in, in a in a bad... if Playing the hand that way, you kind of put yourself in a bad position, right? You put yourself in a situation where uh, if you had bet the turn, if it came small and you bet the turn, you were going to keep calling. Is that true or not?
0: If it came small, yeah, I would have... Uh,
1: Right. So now we're in a situation where we really have to wonder, are we playing it the best way with the amount of money that's left? You know, if we're real deep, then we don't want to, like, put in a raise and get raised off it Mm -hmm. uh, or lose too much on the hand. Uh, You know, and again, check calling. If there's a chance he'll keep bluffing, might be the best. Uh, But here we might be in this situation where we're only putting in more money when we have the worst hand. And when we have the best hand, uh, you know, we're letting the guy draw. You know, sometimes you're kind of forced to do that, but usually you're forced to do that when you're too deep. Huh. Here we're not really too deep. Again, I don't know how, you know, how you know, how much this per, is a percentage of your bankroll. Um, but uh, you know, and again, you hate. You know, sometimes you get these situations where you have a hand like this, kind of marginal, and you raise, and then the guy moves in, and now you talk yourself into folding too. So you tr- end up. Essentially turning your hand into bluff. So, the, the the point I'm trying to make is that this is a difficult situation.
0: So you're saying I basically made it more difficult for me by
1: no, um, I, I'm not saying calls? anything because it's like you know I don't know the guy. Uh, you know I like calling more against a guy who can keep bluffing me.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Is all I'm trying to say. But <laughs> it, it, you know I, I'm not criticizing your play. I'm just saying it's a tough situation. So anyway, take it from there.
0: All right, so the, so there's two dollars and seventeen on the turn, and the turn is uh, pretty much gin for me. It's the nine of clubs, which uh, actually put actually it puts out an, another flush draw, uh, the club flush. So now there's double flushes out there,
1: and, and and now of course everything changed from hoping, I mean really we were hoping he was going to check the turn until now we're hoping he has the overpair. Yeah. As long as it's not tens, that is.
0: Well, I'm still assuming that he might actually see that as kind of like a blank, and then he might uh, fire of off. Course with, he, of
1: course, but, he thinks it's a blank.
0: Yeah, so he might fire off with like uh, Ace King or uh, King Queen or something in that range, thinking that maybe I had uh, maybe a Queen or a, a Queen Jack or was looking for some or was looking for that flush draw. I'm I'm, I'm thinking he assumes I'm on the flush draw. Why? Because uh, I called that uh, flop bet when there was two spades on the board. So, and I've been usually doing that when I had a, either a flush or a straight draw, I wouldn't really bet until I actually made the hands. Mm-hmm. So I was being pretty straightforward in that point.
1: Well, okay. But, uh, again, sometimes you get to where, you know, with the amount of money you had left, you could easily semi bluff and, you know, play the flush draw right there, uh-huh. get, get the money in and figure, well, you know, fold out the ACE Kings, ACE Queens. And, uh, uh, you know, and then if, if you're wrong, you know, you got to draw out. So you know, it's not that unreasonable to, to play the play the flush draw fast for the amount of uh, money you have in front of you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, you know, the nine, there's no reason for him to think you made three nines, obviously. When you call on the flop, he does have to be a little worried about tens full. Oh. Know, nines full is a little, from his point of view, is a little rare. but it really doesn't matter because if he, he really, if he's betting his, you know, his good hands and checking his bad hands, that what that means is he's betting big pairs and checking the ace, Kings, eggs, Queens. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know what he's doing. If he's going to semi bluff with the flush draws or if he's going to bluff with those other hands. But anyway, the fact that he checked behind us, uh-huh. you know, kind of means in retrospect, we, it was probably right for us to raise. Uh, do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know,
0: it's just one of those okay. things where I look back and I kind of regret, you know, making that decision.
1: Well, just... well, you don't regret, Well, you know, you shouldn't be so, you know, I wouldn't say regret. I would say that we, that we recognize we made the wrong play. You know, I make wrong plays, lots of hands I play. You make wrong plays all the time. It's not something to regret. But as a matter of fact, now it's just the opposite. I don't regret I made the wrong play here at all if the nine comes. Now I'm kind of happy that I played it. Kind of wimpy in a way, if you know what I mean. You know, like uh-huh. I kind of didn't ta- take control of the hand and gave the guy a chance to drop. That's basically what his check behind me told me, is that I gave him a free card. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news <laughs> is the free card helped me.
0: All right, so we didn't point this out, but it actually went check-check. So um, the river, it's still 217, and it's clean, which...
1: Queen, Where's offsuit that? queen, queen of diamonds, which yeah, is important. Queen. There were two black flushes up there, came came a red queen. And, and now, let's think about that. What does he have? You know, in, in these situations, you are always ask yourself, what does the guy have? What do you think he has at the point of going check, check, on the turn?
0: I'm not, I don't think he has anything at this point, so I'm pretty sure that. Well, what's not anything?
1: You know, uh, there's lots of not uh, anything. Does he have 5-4 offsuit? You know, he doesn't, you know. Uh, what is
0: it?
1: Go ahead, sorry. Uh,
0: sorry. Uh um, it's obviously I'm putting on, on something that's ace high or maybe related to that, like it's it's a flush it's a busted flush or um something that you know he might bet the flop with that is actually pretty decent for that flop. Maybe uh he had a ten on that spot. Uh,
1: you don't think he'd bet again to try to make you pay for your flush if he had a ten. It'd be a top pair, he's gonna bet again. It's not like you guys are absurdly deep and he thinks the best way to, you know, get his value is just checking behind you on the turn, letting you fire a bluff on the river or something like that. Uh, you know, you guys have, uh, you know, not a, a ridiculously large number of chips. You got, you know, our, our money in front of you and 90 big blinds is, you know, pretty typical, you know, not, not deep, not short. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I think he's got, when he checks on the turn, my first thought is he's got the ace king. I yeah. guess he could have ace queen. He could have ace jack suited if he if he that's a hand he would raise with. He's got like you said, he's got a big ace. That's the most likely if he played the hand uh bot like as you were telling me to begin with, he plays a lot of tables, then big ace is like the hand we're expecting to get to turn over before the river. You know, if it went check check, right. for instance. That's what we're expecting to so see. You agree with that? Yeah. So when when the Queen of Diamonds comes on the river how am I going to make money off this? If he's got ace jack or ace king and I make a, a decent sized bet, he's probably going to have to give me credit unless he thinks I have a busted flush. And I guess if he's, again, this is, it helped to know something. He got who could make an ace high call down uh, or not. I don't know. But in the games that, you know, there, there's, you know, there's different levels of course, but uh, I might, and I remember, but I think I would. I would put him so squarely on a something that, of course, when the queen comes, I'm hoping he, he had ace queen, and the queen hits him. If the queen hits him, and I bet he's going to pay it off, at least pay it off, right? Yeah. Agree with that. But if the queen didn't hit him, let's say you had ace jack, and he's putting me on basically what I had eight, but not nines, eights or sevens. A pair, you know, I could easily have a middle pair lower Mm -hmm. than nines right now. And if he (laughs) missed, you know, he might fire. Uh, The big question here is there, is there more value in betting it than checking it? That's what the, you know, the whole, I mean, this ends up not being much in the hand because, you know, it's not clear what you should have done on on the pre-flop or on the flop. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now when the queen comes, certainly against a wide range of players, checking and letting him fire is the best, uh, you know. If we if we put the guy in a hand of of Ace high, which seems very likely, whether he hits the Queen or not, there's a chance he's going to fire. He's going to fire the Queen for value, and he's going to fire the non Queens, try to bluff me off on my small pair, and act like the Queen hit him. You know, whenever you see an overcard come, and you're on, you're betting. You you often when an overcard comes, you try to act like it hit you, because you figure the guy calling wasn't calling to hit just that overcard, right? And when, uh, and here where someone else had the betting lead initially, uh, you know, they're at times going to make you, b- try to make you believe that it hit them. So I, against a lot of homes, I would have checked the river and give him a chance to fire and figure out pick up, pick off some bluffs. And even, and when, when it hits them, of course, then it's uh, uh, at least going to break even. Excuse me. It's probably going to at least break even with me checking. He's going to bet I'm going to check, raise them all in. Um, that's gonna be hard for him to get away from Ace Queen at that point because he's gonna think maybe I've got Ace Queen of Spades or Ace Queen of Clubs. You know those, Ace Queen of Spades most likely. You know that was the, the flush that. Although, you know, of course, if I had Ace Queen of Spades, I would have raised, played it faster on the flop, even with a pair on the board, mm-hmm. uh, for how deep we were. But anyway, so that's the only, the only argument I have with what you did, is it's just too likely if you bet the river, he's just gonna fold. Which and he's is, almost always going to fold unless the queen hit him, in which case checking does at least as well. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And that's why you're back.
1: So, okay, so that so that's my analysis of that hand. But, but you know, you, you want a nice pot regardless, and right. uh, and it's pretty obvious that you had the best hand the whole way.
0: Yeah. So basically what the action that we didn't point out after this was I bet out uh, twenty five and he folds, and uh, I fold it the full house and take in a 2 dollars and seven pot.
1: Right. You you basically bet about half the pot at that point. You know, nothing wrong with the amount you bet. And, you know, again, it would have worked. We have a guy who could call with ace-king. I guess that would work, but it's kind of hard for him to call with ace-king there with uh, you calling the flop. Uh, and, uh, again, you know, based on what you're telling me about yourself, you're kind of mm-hmm. – you're kind of like a bot yourself, you know, betting, you know, trying to play as straightforward as possible, right? Right. And uh, so he, you know, he has no reason to believe that you're you're going to be firing, knocking him off the hand either. If you had the, you know, again, one of the very likely hands you could have had there are under pairs. You probably wouldn't bet those because there's not much value in betting them at that point. Unless you got to, you know, especially when the queen comes, you're more just afraid the queen hit him and hold your breath that it gets checked behind you. Right, right. You get what I'm saying? So, so you know, you... Not a bet. Like I say, I don't think that's a bet you're going to get paid off on that often. That's, anyway, that's my analysis that hand.
0: So the check would have been better on the river?
1: I think so. All
0: right. So the next hand we have is uh, the under the gun plus two hand with uh, Ace-10 off. And let's just get down to it. It folds around to me. I raised... Uh, oh, this, this, is two, this is... This is two no by, by the way. This,
1: this is nine players, but there are... You only... You have, yeah, you had nine players at the table. Under the gun, plus two, with no antes. Uh-huh. Um, Ace-10 offsuit is one of my least favorite hands. I mean, late position, it becomes a decent hand. But in an early position, Ace-10 is just... Uh, I don't like the hand because when people play against me, they play with uh, Ace with a face card. And it gets me in trouble. And unless I hit an Ace and a 10,
2: uh-huh.
1: or... Uh, Uh, you know, I flop a straight or something like that, you know, I I often fold that hand, especially without anties, and under the gun plus two, just so you know, it it doesn't, and my basic strategy is not a hand I want to be playing with uh, in No Limit, and here you're pretty deep, you know, it's a lower game, this is one cent, two cent, so again, going back to uh, how many big blinds, you have over, you have like 300 big blinds, is that right?
0: Um, I have about 100, or 100...
1: You've, you have three dollars, which is. I have two. I have two eighty. So. or sorry. You have one hundred fifty big blinds. What am I talking about? Yeah. One hundred fifty. We can't even multiply. Uh, we well, have one hundred fifty big blinds. Pretty deep. Uh, that's the one thing. But you're deep, you actually. This is a sick brag here for for uh, Unicorn Lord. He had the most chips at the table. He had the biggest stack. E- everyone else had was less, and people typically had a, a little over fifty or 60 big blinds. Well, and, uh,
0: actually the person I played against had, uh, 18 cents more than me. Yeah. He,
1: yeah, well, Oh yeah. I had you wrong. You two you you're right. Or you were the second. Yeah. Can't read the history, right? Yeah. You were <laughs> the second, whatever. It's not a lot of money, but again, you know, I really don't think in terms of money when I play, I just think in terms of big blinds. it's kind of all the same. That's, that's but, uh, whatever. So lots of big blinds, uh, uh, you had over a hundred big blinds. And, uh, I very likely would have folded the hand, just so you know, uh, to start. But anyway, once you didn't fold, uh, go ahead. You can do the play-by-play.
0: All right, so I was being obviously kind of laggy here. Uh, I raised a six because it folded around to me, which is my standard raise. And, you know, I raise everything with that even aces. Uh, middle position one calls me for six. And middle position two calls me for six. And everyone else folds. And so there's 21 in the pot. The flop comes 8, 10, 7. Uh, two clubs, and I bet out for 20. The middle position calls for 20, and middle position two folds.
1: Okay, so again, we got two callers on the flop. And now it came 10 high, which was really nice, because obviously the people with ace face cards are in trouble. And and uh, one of the guys calls you now on the flop when you bet 20, which was kind of a large bet. You bet the full pot, Yeah. which is, a, you know, normally you bet you know three-handed you know more like half the pot two-thirds the pot at most but you bet the full pot and you got called so you know it's a little bit scary uh well um,
0: it's, it's kind of giving away sort of how i play but if i if i have a hand that isn't really the best hand out there but or might not be the best hand out there but i'm pretty sure that it may be good i'm looking more to actually make everyone fold by betting the
1: pot Rather well, than but could, here but here you 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 know when flop comes 10 high and you've Ace 10, you think you have the best hand. No one re-raises you pre-flop. You don't think they have a pair higher than 10. So why wouldn't you think you have the best hand? You're not A you probably have the best hand and B you're not going to fold out better hands by no matter what you bet. You agree with those two statements? Yeah.
0: No, I'm I'm trying to get things like uh, queen jack to fold. cuz, you know, if they, if I can hit a nine cuz
1: Right, but you don't just that fair me. Yeah, no, but even queen jack well, you know, I guess if it's not clubs... Obviously, if it's queen-jack of clubs, the guy might just ship it on your make-or-big bet. He's got, you know, over cards and a flush draw. Right. Uh, if he's got other queen-jacks, yeah, you know, that's reasonable to try to get that to fold. Uh, you know, basically, you're trying to charge him a lot for his hand. Uh, queen-jack's going to have a problem of what to do, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, when With your bet here, should you know, he could do one of... He could fold, raise, or, or call with queen-jack. I think most people... Uh, where you have that much behind you, you bet less than, you know, one tenth of what you guys. Left. I think most people with the overcards and the gut shot would probably just, especially at this limit, just call.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you guys mm-hmm. are a little too deep for the guy to play the hand fast, and so, you know, typically that's what what someone's going to do. I think. you agree with that or disagree?
0: Right. Uh, I actually agree. Agree
1: with or that. disagree? Right. That was your answer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just agreeing with what Barry says. Barry, you obviously know a lot more. <laughs> no, but
1: I have given you a choice. Do you, do you, or you know, would the guy fold or call? Do you think I'm thinking queen he jack?
0: might have called with queen jack.
1: Yeah, I, I, th- I think that seems like a pretty typical action. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, but whatever. I'm, I'm not arguing with your bet. I, you know, it's kind of clarifying. If, if the guy calls, he should have something decent there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, now the four comes on the turn
0: which is a uh, pretty much a brick card for everybody. Uh, right. 60,
1: 60, Well, not every, it's only, you said every, there's only you and one other guy yeah. at this point.
0: So the turn is 61 cents. Uh, uh, sorry. The turn is, uh, the four of hearts. Uh, I check, he bets out 18 and I, call well, well, okay.
1: 18. Well, well, let let me understand why you checked. Um, you still rate to have the best hand a pretty, you know, pretty large percentage of the time. What are the hands that are going to beat you? Well, you know, if you start with something like Jack-9 suited, he flopped a straight. Obviously, that beats us. Or if he flopped sets of 8s or 7s, that beats us. But anything else, we have the best hand, right? Right. So, and
0: it's pretty much a stop-and-go play for me. A uh,
1: stop go
0: Yeah. Is If go. I'm putting him on a, on a pair of 8s or a pair of 7s, then... I think if I check here, then he's going to put me on uh, what I was putting him on, which was queen, queen jack.
1: Wait, if he flopped a set, are you saying uh, or no, he just has a
0: straight?
1: If, if he had something like a nine eight.
0: Yeah, if he had like nine eight seven six, you know something around there. You know, if I check there, he might put me on either the flush draw that busted, or you know something like queen jack. Um, so he's he's pretty much going to bet if he has any any one of those pairs. I don't think that he's gonna uh, bet if he has a, a set here because he wants to get me to bet out again he's not gonna
1: bet but there's you know if there's a flush draw a straight draw you know I totally disagree with you there I think uh, um, I think he's gonna bet all good hands you'd never want to give a free card on this board would you in last position 10 eight seven with two clubs I mean the guy your, your opponent he just needs a nine to have a straight draw or could have a flush draw I, I would never check a good hand there.
0: It's something that the Micro 6 players do all the time for some reason like well, whenever, it, whenever they hit uh hands, like they just shut down and you can automatically t- and they'll check call you down. So you can pretty much uh tell when they have hit something is that they that, the, that they didn't do this uh, check-call stuff until the river where they make these big huge overbets. Which is pretty much what happens later.
1: Well, okay anyway I uh, okay uh, you know I am not going to argue you play at this uh, the stake more than I do but uh, uh, I would you know the way you make money on your good hands especially if you're in last position yeah there are times where the times that I check in last position are normally the times that I think the guy's drawing dead you know and then I'm afraid I'm going to make him fold on the on the turn you know a uh, thing is like you know like uh, hands I remember guy bets the flop and I play a flush draw slowly and I make it on the turn. Well, uh, sometimes I'm afraid I'm going to make him fold when he checks to me and I'll just check and make him think that's not what I have and try to get him on the river. Mm-hmm. But, but a situation like this, where it's very vulnerable, uh, you know, it's normally not good to, uh, you know, to check behind with the, uh, with even a set there, you know, you want to give you know a couple of reasons you want to bet is one is, your opponent may still be worried. You've got the draw and may try to take you off it too. You want to give him an extra round of betting to, to hang himself, if you know what I mean. Yeah. If upset, so. But well, go ahead. But you know, so you're you're getting in the mind of this guy and saying he's the type of guy you think if he had a real big hand might check.
0: Yeah. And uh, another thing that I was thinking about is you know I, sometimes I do these to actually gauge where they're at because if I check to them, you know they tend to bet certain amounts. Uh, depending on how strong their hand is, if he wants you to come along but he has a good hand, you know, he'll bet out half pot. If he has a weaker hand or if he's just trying to get you to, or he's he's trying to value telling you, he might uh, just min-raise here and you can probably re-raise him and take the pot away. So the size of his bet actually is telling me how good his hand is. And it's the fact that he doesn't put...
1: um, No, 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 you're you're talking about raising. The size of his bet on the turn, we're still talking about the turn now here? Yeah.
0: The size of the bet on the turn is actually telling me a a little bit about his uh, about his hand, because he hasn't made those those very specific type of bets where he's trying to get you to call, but at the same time looking a lot weaker. But he hasn't made a very large bet, so it's kind of somewhere in between, which means.
1: Okay, well, did we say what he bet? You had bet twenty on the flop, and now he ended up actually, which is peculiar, betting less than that on the turn. He bet eighteen cents on the turn. Uh, less than a third of the pot, but you know, more. The peculiar part is that less than we put in on the flop, which yeah. rarely happens. Yeah, and happen.
0: that's, that's what I was looking at when when I made that call. Is you know, he actually didn't make these this uh this this kind of standardized bet. It was just this weird number that like he was trying to figure out how much to bet here, which meant right. That he, so it,
1: you're expecting normally if the guy does bet to see a thirty or forty cent bet. Right. 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 Anywhere, actually, anywhere from thirty to the size of the pot to sixty would be more typical. Now the guy bets eighteen. That's really weird. He down bet and maybe what you call it. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What did you think it meant?
0: I, I took it as he might have hit the seven and he was putting me on, like I said before, queen jack or the flush draw. He,
1: so you think he has one pair?
0: Yeah, I'm almost pretty sure he has one pair at this point because it's such a right, well. Okay, and, and
1: I yeah. Well, there are three. The, the way I look at it, there are three possibilities. One is. It was a small bet. He's in position. He wants us to pay a little for the draw, but he's not really sure how good his hand is. So if he's just betting first, you know, at the, the at the zeroth level or first level, depending on how you call it, mm-hmm. and, and sa- betting and saying what the value of his hand is, he's he's saying, I don't know if I have the best hand, but I don't want to give you a free draw. And if, he's, well, that if that's what right. that bet means, so it's a little bit defensive, actually. Uh, you normally uh, defensive bet is you know in front betting into some, but here it's kind of defensive. Like I don't want to put too much in the pot. I may have the best hand. Um, If that's the case, shouldn't we raise it?
0: Yeah, I don't know why I called
1: that. Uh,
0: it's one of those, some of those know, things again, where I just can't. I give
1: a free card. What if he even has something like seven nine or you know something like you know pair and a straight draw, seven six? That's now become with the four came on the turn. I don't remember if we said it. 7-6 would be a hand that maybe bet that amount. He's got a pair. Uh, and he also has a double gutter. Again, so, you know, that's 5-8 uh, and, and uh, eight is uh, 13 outs. Do I really want to give him uh, almost a third of the deck for free? So, you know, again, you know, I'm a little deep, but uh, it might be right to play. The, the only problem, again, it depends who I'm playing against might be right to raise the only problem is there are two ways to interpret a small bet on the turn
2: mm-hmm.
1: normally one is what we were saying the guy's not that sure he's got kind of a mediocre hand the other is that he's got a really really good hand he's got the joint and he doesn't want to scare you away yet he's going to be betting bigger on the river he wants to give you a chance to even check him. and the joint hands are him flopping the joint like with jack nine he would have flopped the nuts and now remember four did bring in some hands it brought in uh, five six yeah. If he had the lower end of a straight draw, the, the low straight draw, the four actually is relevant. So uh, I'd be really sick if I raised him here and he re-raised or called and then, you know, had, we had the action on the river, you know, that would be kind of a sickening situation. So, uh, you know, there are some reasons to possibly keep the pot small, and there are also reasons to raise to, you know, that to, because of what I'm afraid is going to happen on this hand, frankly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is that he's going to make this – you know, small bet saying I've got something, but I don't have a lot. I'm going to call and then it's going to go check, check on the river, uh, unless he draws out. So it's almost like, again, I'm giving him free cards. And, uh, uh, you know, there are some players who I would raise here. And if they re raise, you know, give them credit. Uh, you know, the question is if you raise here and you just get called, you like it. Or if the guy, well, you like it as long as he's not like trapping you with the nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he, if, you know, getting him to fold may be the best result. I mean, it means you have the best hand. I mean, I still think we have the best hand an overwhelming majority of the time here. We have a, a top pair with an ace kicker, and we have a guy betting, you know, not that much, and we probably have the best hand. And, and you know, but getting him to fold may be, you know, the best thing to do because uh, it's too likely he's not betting the river. Does that make sense? Uh huh. Yeah. So all we're is depriving him of his free card. It's gonna, you know, we don't. If if it went check check on the river, when a deuce came off, then we probably made the wrong play calling. I think. Uh, you know, and it's unlikely that he just floated in a straight bluffing. That doesn't make sense. But anyway, whatever you called.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I called. The river is a, uh, uh, the ace of hearts, and it's ninety-seven cents in the pot. And it, I check, and he bets a dollar, and I end up just calling for the dollar.
1: Okay, first of all, why did you check instead of bet? Obviously, you made top two pair. You got a really good hand. I'm, thinking, uh, I'm not saying it's wrong.
0: Uh, I'm thinking but, he might use that as like a scare card for me. So now, right, have...
1: ex- exactly what we talked about in the last hand. The problem with betting is there's two. You, you deprive him of ha- getting, uh, having a chance to try to bluff when he thought he might have been beat. Yeah, you know, right. So it's like that when that queen came on the river of the previous hand, the overcard coming. Uh, if he if it if he doesn't have at least a pair of aces and we bet you know by betting we put him to a game. You know, I'm not saying bettings necessarily wrong uh, because now he if the ace doesn't hit him he's gonna be checking a high percentage of time if he had something he just had a pair of eights or a pair of sevens
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's probably gonna check behind do you agree with that or not I
0: think it would have. and just
1: hope we had some sort of draw like you know the Queen Jack or who knows what Uh uh, so but but then again on the other hand if he's going to check behind when the ace doesn't hit him because he has some value remember this isn't a hand that looks like he was just straight bluffing when he bet that 18 cents looked like he had something of value but maybe not a lot of value you get what i'm saying is a little different than before uh, he couldn't just have no pair i wouldn't think for his bet on the turn um, so now there might be too good a chance on this particular scenario if i check that he just checks behind me and the hand is there. Maybe I'm supposed to put him in the test in case he has something like even like a jack 10. I think if I bet on the river here when the ace hit, he's going to pay me off with jack 10, hoping that I, you know, was bluffing into that, you know, uh, at that card. But whatever, you know, checking gives you a chance for the guy to to go off. I mean, the, you know, checking has different advantage. One, if he has a straight, I probably won't go broke on the hand.
0: So would you either have called in this spot or would you have re-raised?
1: I think I would have probably re-raised the turn, frankly, when he bet that defensive amount. But again, it would be tempered with, if it's a guy who I've seen do that to try to, try to milk me in, then maybe I wouldn't. But against a, an unknown player or you know, a, a player I've not seen make these small bets with the nuts, I'm I might. i I'm just too afraid it's going to go check, check. I probably I would have raised the turn.
0: Uh, to give you a little bit more information, I don't think I was in this table very long. I think I, this was maybe like four or five hands in. I think I only had 15 hands on this player.
1: Okay, anyway, so the ace comes. I don't know what's right, but, you know, this is, you know, obviously checking has some, uh, as, you know, like the hand we talked about, checking has some value in letting the guy bluff at me. And uh, so, and that's what, I think that's what you said you were thinking, right? You you knew you made a really good hand. You're only going to get beat by sets and straights, Uh, but you're hoping he'd fire at it when he had nothing. Yeah. Or maybe bottom pair or something like that.
0: I'm, I'm hoping that he used it, that he was going to use it to kind of scare me off of hand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And make it seem like he had been playing something. Uh, like, it ended up that he was actually playing, which was, like, ace, eight. So, yeah. Uh, it ends up that what he was actually playing what was Ace Well, we
1: haven't we haven't analyzed what happens on the river. You know, you, did you say what he bet on the river? Uh, he bet a dollar.
0: So, yeah, he yeah bet
1: whole, I said he Bet the size of the pot. He bet a dollar, and you guys had uh, uh, you know, just over a dollar behind you after that. And so now he bet a dollar, and you know obviously we can't fold. We made aces up, made top two pair, mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: but we have to decide: should we just ship the rest? And, uh, you know, what are the hands we're afraid of? We're afraid of straights and sets, right? Right. Yeah, you know, against he, – he bet really big, though. I don't know. But, uh, you know, again, for the amount that we have left, we only have left like half the pot. That's not that much.
0: And it was Once again, one of the one of those things where I kind of hemmed and hawed about it, and I just kind of put in my head that if he had really wanted me to pay him off here with his straight, that he wouldn't have bet out that large of a number because it was over the pot.
1: Yeah, no, no, I I tend to agree with you. He bet, you know, what we'd say, a polarizing amount. He bet a large amount. Polarizing I means it looks like two choices. Either he's got the joint or he's got nothing, right? Right. And and so, uh, the, but the thing is, as we found out, and and I don't think it's unreasonable, uh, you know, just calling here. Mm-hmm. As we found out, he thought he had the joint. He had the next hand after ours. It was very close. He had, uh, you know, had, ended up having aces and eights. Uh, the ace hit him. So you know your your play was reasonable there. I uh, you know there were choices at different streets. It's not like you did anything unreasonable, mm. and and uh, you know came out smelling like a rose. Obviously you know in some sense you breathed a sigh of release uh, relief when you saw his hand and you won the pot. On the yeah. other hand, you started saying, "God, I bet if I raised all in, he'd have paid me off."
0: Yeah. Well, it was just one of those things where where, like you said before, either he either has the straight, and I'm not I'm not saying that they don't do this. You know, all the time without having. Hands at these limits, the they they generally tend to have the hands when they do these raises, and I don't know why. You know, I kind of always make the comment in chat box, well, I guess you hate money, and then I just fold the hands, and you know they usually flip over like kings on a king high board, things like that. But it was it, it just seems so weird that he would min like make this really small bet on the turn and then make a really large bet on the river. It just didn't add up too well to all to that. He had this hand that he was. Yeah,
1: no, I, I agree. That was weird. Now when we see what happened now, it now it makes sense. Yeah. At the time, you know, it, it looked a little weird. I, you know, I would probably, I, I, I don't know. It's not like I'd raise all the time, you know, it depends on who I'm playing against, but it's one thing that people get wrong a lot is that, if they raise here and they're beat, then they were, you know, really sick. They gave away that extra money. You have to be right and, and get called. And remember, you don't have to get called for that much right now because we only had a third of the pot left in front of us, essentially, right? Right. Uh, so it's not like we had, if we had a lot of money left, now raising is not as attractive. But for what we had left, it's not like the guy can now re, you know have the nuts and re-raise us anymore, the hand's over. If we can get called more than 50% of the time when we raise – uh, with the worst hand, yeah, you know, then it's right to raise. Uh, is there any chance that the guy even could have played the nut flush draw this way? We don't have the ace of clubs and ace hit on the river, you know, could he have played it slow? I don't know if, if he's the type of guy who would, but there are some hands certainly that could pay us off. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't feel that bad if I raised and did run into the set or the straight, which obviously are all going to pay me off. I'm not going to knock those out. Uh, as long as it's someone who can also pay me off with one single pair, I wouldn't feel that bad about my raise for not that much. But, but your your logic is right. The guy bets small on the turn, bets big on the river. He might have had the joint and was just trying to trap us. So, the, you know, again, I'm not criticizing. I'm just thinking of the possibilities.
0: So Barry is right. I do become chip leader after this hand by winning a two dollar okay. ninety seven pot and improving to like I think four something.
1: Okay, whatever. Okay. And, and so, so now are we in the same uh, with the same people again or in this next hand or is this a totally different um,
0: this is a totally different hand. Okay. It's,
1: yeah, I mean, obviously session,
0: it's... it's all in the same session, it's just different tables. I, I usually play
1: four okay. tables. Okay.
0: Um so effective stacks are the button versus me. Uh, button has a dollar forty one 41 and I have uh two seventy. Uh I'm under the gun with nine a and once again, I raise to to six. It if, if folds around to me. I raise to six. Middle position calls. Uh, folds around to the cutoff. Cutoff calls. The button calls. and Okay. And again, you books.
1: said the dollar, the, the dollar forty and two seventy. I don't know it, how it works with other people. But it confuses me. I just say right away, I'm playing for seventy big blinds when I uh, played against this guy. Right. That's the way I think.
0: Right. So it's about hundred and fifty big blinds for me. And
1: right. But I'm saying he, we we're playing for his stack. You yeah. <laughs> we, were playing a pot for effectively 70 big blinds.
0: Right. So the flop comes... Uh, sorry, there's 27 cents in the pot. The flop comes 7.56, and it's basically just a gin flop for me. I flop uh, pretty much every damn draw out there.
1: Yeah, for uh, people who aren't visualizing this, uh, you know, Raleigh had 9.8 of spades, and it came 7.65 with two spades. So it flopped uh, the nuts with the, with the straight flush draw.
0: Yeah. Um, so, 27 cents, I bet out 15, uh, middle position, folds, cutoff folds, and the button calls for 15, and I like this a lot.
1: You you like it when you flop the nuts. Yeah, I do too.
0: (laughs) No, I just like it when the button called. Uh, I'm I'm assuming he's on a flush draw, though, so it's kind of a a scare for me. You know, he he might have a better flush card out there. Uh, so, the turn comes uh in a 57 cent pot turn comes king of clubs so i love that card a lot and mm-hmm. i bet out 35 and he calls for 35 so there at the river it's already a dollar 27 in the pot and it comes a four of clubs so everything's bricked off i've now made a six card straight
1: <laughs> what do you mean bricked off you mean the hands that would beat you have bricked off yeah. uh, a four, now there's a four card straight off so there so we're hoping somehow the guy could have an eight, obviously, and the four helped him to, get, to have the second nuts. Right. Uh, but more importantly, when you talk about $1.27 in the pot, the guy's got 85 cents left. He's got two-thirds of the pot in front of him. Uh-huh. So, there's, so there's no reason. You know, We're hoping to be able to get him, get all his chips, and the question is how are we, we going to get them.
0: <laughs> so I don't exactly go about it in the best fashion. I, I shove them all in, and he uh, calls, and he flips over the eight of clubs and the king of right. Right. You
1: may say, well, that ends up, there was no play to this hand. Essentially. You agree? Because he hit something. If we check, you know, our only decision on the river was, does he have enough to call us? Uh, you know, he, he called 35 cents where he didn't have a lot behind, you know, he called, um, almost, a, a, you know, he called like, uh, more than a quarter of his stack, I guess on the, on the turn. Uh, like 30% of his stack. Um, does that mean he's on the draw? Yeah, I guess it probably m- still makes you think there's a chance he's on the draw. Some people might raise there with their draws for the amount they have left and hope to take it there. Um, when the four comes, if his draw was a flush draw, and you bet all in, he's going to fold, right? Right. So that, that makes you want to check. If his draw was a straight card and he made a straight... Then checking or betting are the same. Is that right? He's gonna bet if I don't bet. He can't check if he has an eight-high straight.
0: Yeah, I should probably point out I pretty much autopiloted in this and just bet, just figured out how much to bet in every on every straight, and then just bet it. in. So once it's uh two fourteen, I'm just basically going all in and put him all in. Uh, it, it,
1: well, it, is it? I'm just asking. Do you think now it's better to check or, or bet?
0: I'm thinking at this point it might have been better to check.
1: Yeah, the only thing is, what if he just had something like a seven? He had top pair. Now, when I bet, he may think I have a busted flush and may pay me off. So I, I don't know the answer myself. You know, again, there are two choices. Uh, you know, I, when I'm playing live or even online, you know, I've got to decide what what was more likely. Does he have a draw that missed, or uh, uh, or does he actually have something he was trying to keep the pot a little smaller with? and it might get checked behind me with the four straight where he figures he can't paid, get paid off even if he has value. So um, I don't know the answer to the question. You know, betting was reasonable. Checking would be, you know, get him to lose some money on bluffing. You know, either one are reasonable, but uh, in this particular case, really, it didn't matter what I did. The guy made a straight.
0: Right. So uh, so he made a, not only the straight, but he had the kings up, But I think, I think that king actually helped
1: us. You can't make a straight. Oh, oh yeah, you no. can't make a straight and kings up.
0: Yeah. So I um, no, I'm I'm thinking it this way, that, that that king's up basic or that the kings basically kept him in the hand. I'm I'm pretty sure if it had been like another card like uh a Queen of Clubs he may have folded. You know, assuming that he's only getting what, uh six twelve percent on the river.
1: Yeah, well yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people who have called overcard and a straight draw. Um certainly it was the Queen of Spades on the turn he was gonna fold, I think. But the uh, you know, offsuit queen, you might take another shot at it. You didn't bet too much. Yeah, so I'm some think- people will call. I'm not saying it's right for him to call, but certainly some people are going to call. Some yeah. people would rate, You know, semi bluffing.
0: So I'm thinking he may have put me on the flush draw, and when that king hits him, he's assuming that I'm still on the flush draw and not on the straight. And now he has a straight. And now he has kings with the straight draw.
1: So yeah, I'm that- surprised. You know, I might have just shipped it there for the amount he had left. If I had his hand and I'd call on the flop, I'd have probably shipped it on the, on the turn.
0: Which is what I thought as well, uh, if, if I was going to okay. go with that hand.
1: So I'd have played his hand uh, differently and, of course, end up uh, drawing, you know, drawing basically dead, having uh, you know, three cards to tie. Um, it's,
0: it's the button okay. call that really just kind of gets to me at this.
1: Like, yeah, why'd why he why call to start with with King Ados's suit? Well, you know, that probably wasn't a good plan on his part, and it didn't work out very well.
0: Yeah. All right, so we've gone through all three hands. Is there anything in particular that you would like to maybe see me do better? Uh, well, just one,
1: thing, one thing that's a little peculiar about all three of these hands. Do you know what that is?
0: Uh, I check when I'm supposed to bet.
1: No. You won them all. <laughs> And the reason I'm saying that's peculiar is, you know, I analyze my play all the time also, you know, about, you know, what I do right or wrong, you know, every session. I don't go through the whole session. I I, frankly have never looked through my hand histories in my entire life, which I guess people coming up with the Internet now, you know, that's what they did as they were learning. You know, the Internet didn't exist, obviously, Uh when I was learning poker. But I go through trouble hands in my in my mind and think, could I have done something differently? But almost always the hands that I'm thinking about are the, ones you lost. Are the hands that I lost. Um, you know, that's how you normally learn. I, I'm, I'm actually wondering a little bit that the hands you gave me, you not only were you the hero because it says hero in the hand history, <laughs> but you were the hero of all these hands. You won them all. And, and I question, you, know, you find some people are always talking about the hands they won. You know, that's usually not a remedy for being a good poker player. A good poker player is usually thinking about the hands he lost, well, including something differently. Now, I realize there were things you might have done differently value-wise on these hands, even though you won them. Yeah, that's so I'm not, symptoms. I'm are. not saying there wasn't something to think about here, and we should be thinking about those hands, too. But you get what I'm what I'm pointing at?
0: Yeah. Is you right
1: know, to... uh, you know, one of your personal strengths that I don't know if you're tapping well enough
2: uh-huh.
1: uh, is that you're pretty self-deprecating as a person. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, know, you, know what I'm saying? you put yourself down. Now, that might have been a weakness in other situations, but it's actually a strength in poker. If you're not someone who can put yourself down and admit you did something stupid, you're probably not going to be a good poker player. You know, we all have to realize, uh, you know, that uh, uh, you know we we make mistakes and we do the wrong thing. We got to be able to be introspective and, and uh, criticize ourselves. We don't have to go as far. Some people think that means calling yourself an idiot and stuff like that you know, I don't think I'm an idiot, but I certainly recognize I make a lot of mistakes. I'm not embarrassed that I make mistakes, if you know what I mean, but I'm aware of it. And, and those are what I'm thinking about I'm thinking about my mistakes, and I'm trying to correct them. So you need to take that part of who you are, that you're not afraid to admit your weaknesses, or your mistakes, right, which I've seen you do, and turn that into a positive when it comes to a poker player and say, you know, there are other people out there that think they're brilliant and always Yeah, you hear people saying how great they play. Those people don't improve very easily because they're too busy patting themselves on the back about how smart they are. You now, Raleigh, you're unicorn learned to say, you know, I'm not afraid to admit my weaknesses and my and my flaws. And in poker, that means I improve. You, you get what you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So anyway, the, so my only criticism is, which and I'm not even saying it's right, but it's something to think about. Are you spending a lot of time on the hands you win? That's not going to help you improve in general. That's probably not going to help you as much as looking over the hands where not only did you lose them, but you see that other lines might have worked. And now you gotta. Now the really tough thing is, should you have done something differently, or was it just you played reasonably and uh, it just didn't work out? You know, that's where all the thinking comes in uh, when when you're trying to improve your game.
0: You don't have to worry about that because I'm pretty sure as anyone on the Poker Road forums can tell you, there's a huge, huge, huge thread of just all of these hands that I've lost and people are always telling me my mistakes in them. And, like, you know, one of the one of the things that I did is uh, I'll do stuff. It's kind of stupid. Like one time there was two people in a hand and I asked uh, the, both of them if they had kings in, in that point and it was barely on the flop. So, you know, I got yelled at for that. You know, you shouldn't be talking about the hands and this and that. So, no, I, I don't just post up the hands that I win, but I think...
1: No, 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 no. no. I, okay, yeah, I, I, I believe, well, okay, and, anyway, uh, yeah, but are you, you know, the other danger is looking at the hands you lose. Like I say, it's a fine line between seeing the hands you lose and even then deciding you played them wrong or, or you did you, it that's where a lot of thinking comes in in poker is being able to analyze afterwards did you lose because of something you did or just, you know, obviously it was aces against Kings and all the money went in. Normally you're going to say you had to play it. There was nothing you could do, but you know, so many of these other hands that you lose, you, you, you know, you always go through the scenarios where you might've been able to win, especially if the guy drew out. You could have played it differently, knocked him off. Uh, the draw knocked him out of the pot uh, or even, you know, all sorts of things. Even when, you know, he had something uh, that slightly beats yours. If you could have turned your losing hand into a bluff, there are lots, you know, Poker is pretty deep. There are lots of things that can be done, and so uh, what I'm saying is, as I already said, uh, I it's hard for me to have spent this much time on three hands I won. It, it, partly because just they kind of go quickly past. You play so many hands, often the ones you won, you know, or at least for myself, I win them. I don't even think about them again a lot of times.
0: Right. Well, I'm always just thinking about you know if if it's like a hand where I see the end product and I I I think. Well, shit! I could have got more out of that hand, and I, I kind of jot it down in my uh, poker tracker, and I look at it later and go, "Well, where did I mess up? Where, where, where did this happen?" You okay, know? okay, yeah,
1: yeah, that sounds reasonable. Uh, and, and I'm not.
0: And one of the things that uh, I do kind of do that kind of makes me seem like I'm not one of those people who learns is I don't acknowledge when I've actually gained some new information. Like if someone, you know, decides that he wants to yell at me for thirty minutes about. You know why I shouldn't be doing this. I don't really acknowledge it, but you'll see me at the table the very next day. You know, applying that same knowledge, and it's and so it's. I just don't like to, you know, point to actually be point out that I may have been wrong there right off the bat. But I do eventually absorb everything that's told to me.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't have to let people know what you know what you don't. But I mean, if someone's being nice enough to give you constructive criticism. Uh, you know, probably just forgetting about poker, you know, it's reasonable to say, you know, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll think about that type of thing. You don't have to say whether you agreed or didn't agree. Um, uh, you know what I'm saying? Just out of normal humanity or whatever, if the guy's mm-hmm. sharing information. Because a lot of people don't want to share information on forums. They don't want to help you out. But, you know, I think, you know. In Which I our, think
0: is one of the good things about Poker Road.
1: Yeah, in Poker Road, we don't seem to have a lot of that. We have people really sharing and being helpful. And, you know, and sometimes I'm sure they're questioning, uh, why should I be helping out, you know, someone who might become the opposition? You know, normally, you know, for myself, even as you know, I help a lot of people out. Uh, but I generally try to help them in a way that may help them, but won't hurt me, is the kind of how I'm thinking. I don't want to tell them what's going on and what are the different things I might do to give them too much of a clue of how I play my hand. I'm more saying, you know, what may work for them against other people rather than giving you know I don't usually give the 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 insights into everything I do if I think it's going to help people play against me
0: Uh, I can't really say anything about that so I guess we'll end it here so my guest has been uh, three time World Series of Poker bracelet winner Barry Greenstein you can find him uh, on the Poker Road forums and he covers around 2 plus 2 every now and then he's also very friendly. I was able to approach him very easily at the Bay 101, and uh, thank you very for being. I didn't
1: see show. how I could get away actually, <laughs> <laughs> but well, I'm glad you're, you're giving me all these. Uh, what, what was it you're, uh, what, what, you're give me all these props and stuff? So it, that's why I came on the podcast just so people know. So Unicorn would, so uh, Unicorn Lord would say these things, and uh, <laughs> you better. You know, good PR for me in the future. So thanks for all the help. All right, and I'll give up.
3: Me. Oh Lord,
2: hear me. Hey, now, hey. Please send her to me. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Now, please send her to me. Ladies and gentlemen, this time around the, around, the revolution will not be
3: televised. Be televised, televised, televised. Woo! I was sleeping on the train, sleeping on Lesser Lab out in the rain, without even a single slice of pizza to my name. Too proud to beg for change, mastering the pain. When New York leaders was calling southern rappers lame, but then Jack and I slain, I used to get dizzy spells, hear a little ring, the voice of an angel telling me my name, telling me that one day I'ma be a great man. Transforming with the Megatron dolls, spitting out flames, eating whack rappers alive, shitting out chains. I ain't believe it then, nigga. I was homeless, uh-huh. fighting, shooting dice, smoking weed on the corners, trying to find the meaning of life in the Corona Till the five percenters rolled up on the nigga and informed him, you either build or destroy. Where you come from, the Mac know your projects in the third ward slum. Hum, it's quite amazing that you rhyme, how you do, and that you shine like you grew up in the shrine in Peru. Question fourteen, Muslim lesson two. Dip Diver, Civilizer 85-er I make the devil hit his knees and say to our father Abracadabra, you rockin' with the true and living. Shout out the Lights Out, Josephine, Chewy, Bivins Shout out the Baltimore, Baton Rouge, my crew in Richmond While y'all debating who the truth was Like Jews and Christians, I was on Cecil B Broad Street, Master, North Philly, South Philly 23rd, Tasker, Six Mile, Seven Mile, Hartwell, Crash Niggas really would pack a U-Haul truck up, put the high beams on, drive up on the curb at a barbecue and hop up out the back like, what's up? Kill a nigga, rob a nigga, take a nigga, bust up. That's why when you talk that tough talk, I never feel you. You sound real good and you play the part well, but the energy you're giving off is so unfamiliar. I don't feel you. We need something, Miller. Hit me up on the phone, say what you waiting on Tip hit me up with a twit, say what you waiting on Diddy send a text every hour on the dot saying When you gonna drop that first nigga you taking long So now I'm back spitting that he could pass a polygraph That Reverend Run Rock and Adidas out on Hollis Ave That FOI Marcus Garvey, Nikki Tesla I shock you like a ill electric field, J-Electra Oh my God, keep going. They call me J-Electronica Fuck that. Call me J-Elect Hanukkah, J-Elect Yarmulke, j Muhammad as Rasulullah Subhanahu wa ta'ala through your monitor. My Uzi still weigh a ton, check the barometer. I'm hotter than the motherfucking sun, check the thermometer. I'm bringing ancient mathematics back to modern man. My mama told me never throw a stone and hide your hand. I got a lot of family you got a lot of fans. That's why the people got my back like the Verizon man. I play the back and fade the black and then devise a plan. Out in London smoking, vibing while I ride the tram. Giving out that raw food to lions disguised as lambs. And by the time they get they seat top and deploy all their henchmen to come at me from the treetops. I'm chilling out at Tweetstock, building by the millions. My light is brilliant. try, be better than a lot of y'all records, don't get mad, more than after, boy after. What me, for I ain't even gonna say no, as a matter of fact, no, I, understand. I don't even know why I'm saying this, Jay you should get puffed to do this over, we moving out, on to the next record. I I'm gonna let this just ride right.
0: Three-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner. And author of the book, Ace on the River. A lot can be said about the interview, obviously. There was an obvious level between me and him, and his level of thinking and my level of thinking. And I think that should be noted by every player. Just the level of thinking involved in these hands differed from a rookie like me to a pro like Barry. In any case, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, I've listened to it like six or seven times already. I've been dissecting uh, what he said and thinking it over, and like I said, I don't really acknowledge play where I'm getting yelled at, but I do look at it over after words and I do apply it to my game. So. It might just be a stubborn aspect of me. Anyway, next week on the show, we'll have Limit Specialist Escalante on to discuss Limit Poker Hands, and once again to discuss the difference between Limit and No Limit Tactics and how to apply each sort of tactic to the other game. And of course, I'll update you on how the week went. Spoiler alert, Sharks won today. So that's a one positive in the week. And... I'll give you an update on how my is doing. Of course, it's down, as usual. The Unicorn Art blog is going to be up maybe Friday. No later than Sunday. And it'll be containing all the hand histories that I've been posting up on the show. So, Tiresias' hands that he discussed with me will be up on the show. Barry's hands will be up on the show. And you can look them over yourself and start making your own decisions on what the right play for those hands were. And, um, like I said before, I'm talking to other guests, like Ryan D'Angelo and Court Harrington. Anyways, as usual, I hope you enjoyed the broadcast, and you can, of course, email the show at unicornlord1 at gmail.com. That's unicornlord, one word, number one, at gmail.com. So, I'm going to leave you guys with a personal favorite song of mine, and it's from the Gorillas. It's from their new album, and it's called Rhinestone Eyes. So, one last thing left to do, and that is, this is the one, the only, the Unicorn Lord, and I'm out. (laughs)
4: I'm a scary gargoyle on a tower that you made with plastic power Your rhinestone eyes are like factories far away Where the paralytic dreams that we all seem to keep Drive on engines till they weep with Future pixels in factories far away so call the mainland from the beach. Our is now washed up in bleach. The waves are rising for this time of year. And nobody knows what to do with the heat. Under sunshine pylons we'll meet while rain is falling like grindstones from the sky.